from Health 2023 in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the MMM Podcast. I'm Jack O'Brien. I'm the digital editor at MMM, coming to you live from lovely Las Vegas at the Health Conference. Joined today by a very special guest. I'm Dr. Pat Carroll. I'm the chief medical officer at Hims and Hers. Excellent. Well, Pat, I really appreciate you making the time to speak with us. I spoke with one of your colleagues last year, April, from yes. Hims and Hers, and we had a really interesting discussion about the fact that you know uh, consumerization has really started to take an impact on healthcare and other brands, maybe not necessarily those in the consumer space, but even legacy healthcare brands are taking a note. I want to get into those, but before we get into that, just what's your experience been like at the conference in terms of different booths, conversations, themes that you've seen emerging? Yeah, to me, the conference is a lot about networking and catching up with folks you've worked with both currently and in the past. And then um, my experience has also been really positive. I, my first day here, I was on a panel looking at kind of retail health and disruptive models. And so I was on the panel with uh, one of the chief medical officers from Amazon, Kevin Bond, who's chief medical officer of Walgreens, and myself, and uh, someone from Best Buy. And we talked about kind of disruptive healthcare models. And, and so it was great to kind of compare notes to what we're doing. And ours is clearly different um, than even retail health. I'm kind of curious on that, too, because I talked to a lot of healthcare leaders, and again, those that may be established in blue-chip organizations that look at some of the disruptors. You mentioned Amazon there and say, they're coming for our industry, they're coming for our way of life. But the other thing that I hear from leaders, too, is that some of it is welcome change. It's things that have been going on for decades that we need to understand the consumer better. What were some of those conversations like in terms of how we can maybe flip the industry on its head in a better way for patients and consumers? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I came from a traditional healthcare background. I was a primary care physician for 28 years, and basically it was almost very paternalistic. You know, I'd see 30 patients per day. They'd come in my office. I'd prescribe something and say, take your medication, see you back in three to six months with very little kind of interaction in the interim. In retrospect, that wasn't really customer-friendly. You know, we, we put the hours down when we would see them, um, unless they had an emergency. You know, we weren't in contact with them. We didn't really have full visibility of whether they were adherent to medications or not. We didn't even really ask them what they were trying to get out of the experience. And, and I think Hims and Hers has really flipped that conversation. We, we know what our customers want. They like 24-7 access. The great majority like asynchronous care, where they can actually connect with a provider and, if uh, indicated, uh, get a medication sent to them and then have regular follow-up with the provider on their schedule as opposed to our schedule 24-7, 365 days a year. So I think we're in this new era where folks are actually, you know, providers are actually listening to customers about what they want. And it, it is different than what I did as a traditional primary care physician. And it's so interesting to hear that you know a lot of that was turned upside down by the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, there was such a, an interest in being able to deliver care in so many different ways than going to your uh, doctor's office or going to the hospital for care. I'm curious about the stickiness of that going forward, because a lot of people, I think, are looking at, okay, telehealth is going to be here, maybe not to the same extent we saw in the spring of 2020, but you know, being able to deliver care at home or have different products that are sent to you, that's something that I don't think is probably going to go away, and I know it's a key business model for him and her. Right, so definitely the pandemic accelerated a lot of these changes. We're, we're which is slowly happening anyways. But coming out of the pandemic, there are certain areas that are really being sustained in terms of telehealth. Telepsychiatry, telemental health is is really here to stay in significant portion. And actually, there's studies that have recently come out that said the quality of the visit, the, the response patients get to a virtual telepsych visit is 
the same, if not better, than brick and mortar. So what you see, actually, all the data shows, whereas some of the traditional ambulatory you know, diagnoses and care that occurred during the pandemic virtually, much of that is going back into brick and mortar. But mental health is staying really high level in a virtual environment, over 60%. Uh, percent. And then I think where we're unique, too, is that you know we offer treatments and, and counseling on specific areas that may not be addressed by a primary care provider. For example, things like sexual dysfunction. We're getting into weight management. And then we're also offering compounded personalized medications that the average primary care physician just doesn't have access to that um, are it really appeals to our consumer because they feel like we're, we're actually designing an experience and medications really tailored towards them. And I'm kind of curious on the weight loss front, too. I had a lot of conversations with executives over the past couple of days. They talked about GLP-1 drugs and obviously getting into that space in some sort of way. Where are the opportunities for your organization in terms of doing that? So, you know, we have plans, as publicly reported, to launch this in um, January of 2024. We hired a really high-level uh, National Authority on Obesity Management, Dr. Craig Premack. He has you know, set up weight management clinics in Arizona, and he's very experienced with all of the options, even options without GLP-1 and GIP. So our initial offering is going to really focus on personalized medications um, that use current generics that have been shown to be effective for weight management in combinations that really focus in on kind of that phenotype of the patient comes in. You know, is this a patient with a lot of obesity issues that may in fact be insulin resistant? They'll probably benefit from a metformin type medication. Is this a, a, a customer that has some mental health issues that may be affecting their weight management? Then we add in the bupropion. So we'll use combinations of generic medication and um, it'll be a very affordable, accessible offering without initially offering the GLP ones. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested, kind of going back to the consumerization aspect for a second, what healthcare organizations really need to understand when it comes to consumers? I think for so long it was you went to your medical provider and you basically, it was a one-way street, if you will, and now it's become, and at least in the conversations I've had with other leaders, more of a dialogue and kind of a dynamic conversation. And I'm kind of curious, just from your own experience, maybe what other organizations or brands can recognize from actually communicating with their consumers and having that sort of feedback rather than just saying, here's your prescription and we're done right. here. You know, as I said, when I was in a primary care physician, it was a very paternalistic model. Yeah. And then I went on to oversee a large medical group and then, a, uh, you know, a chief medical officer at a large integrated delivery network. And even then, we weren't really asking the customers, the consumers of, of what they need, what their expectations were, and how we were performing as healthcare delivery organizations. But I see that changing, even for traditional health systems, they're starting to get more focused on consumers. But where I actually really learned that this is essential is, you know, my five years at Walgreens as chief medical officer, that is a very consumer-focused organization. And I would say hims and hers even takes it to the next level. You know, we are constantly surveying our customers is this working for you? What isn't working for you? And trying to reduce the friction in terms of accessing care. Personalize their care and normalize you know, some of these healthcare conditions and get them um, the care they need in the modalities that they look, want. 
And how has that changed too in terms of hims and hers? Like I remember a few years ago when I first, you know, heard of your organization, but I've seen so much more advertising and marketing around that. I imagine that's also helpful too, where you have consumers coming to you and saying, right. "Hey, I saw your ad. I'm interested in your product for, you know, sexual wellness, for GL, right. you know, for weight loss, or whatever." I imagine that's helpful on your end too, because then you have people coming in the front door instead of having to seek them out. Absolutely. So we've built a, a brand that people love and trust, and it gives us permission to get into some other verticals like weight management, just like we got into. Uh, mental health uh, because people trust us and, and they know we're going to deliver something that is value to them that is also affordable. So what we've built is really the structure and the brand recognition to be able to expand. And part of that structure we built is really a robust quality uh, program where we review encounters. We know we can document that providers are actually adhering to the guidelines that we've put in place. That's really important because our customers expect quality, and that's table stakes for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, outside of, obviously, Hims and Hers doing a lot of very interesting stuff in the healthcare space, just walking around the convention floor, what caught your eye in terms of maybe trends or different, there, you know, there were plenty of booths, thousands of people, you know, what caught your eye when you were out there? <laughs> Seems like AI is in this year. Yeah, isn't it? Whatever that means, I'm still trying to get my head around it. Um, a lot of applications like that. Um, I think there's also a fair amount of uh, virtual uh, mental health. You can see, you know, all the companies that are that are offering that today. And then anything to get in terms of documentation and data transfer, whether you know that's EMRs or interoperability. So some of the themes stay the same, but there seem to be hot topics this year. It seems to be AI. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I can't think of one conversation I had this at this conference that didn't have generative AI or chat right. GPT or something that came to the floor. I really appreciate you making the time to talk to us and our audience. I wanted to ask you the question I've asked all the other leaders I've had on the podcast, which is you come to Vegas, obviously here for the conference, but there's so much more here. What is your favorite part of when you come to Las Vegas? I love the weather here. I don't really? like to gamble. Okay. I, you know, the food's okay, but I'm not a huge foodie, but I just love getting out in the morning, you know, 6 a.m. and still nice and cool and, and going for a run. Yeah. You know, um, I live in Massachusetts and we don't get back-to-back beautiful days like this back there. It's, <laughs> it's usually rainy, humid, cloudy, and maybe we get 30 days like this the whole summer. It's like, it seems like every day here, the weather's great. So I love coming just for that. No, I, I can't beat it. I live in New York, so the summer of this Northeast has been rainy and oh, miserable. Gosh. This is a welcome change. Yeah, so absolutely. Pat, really appreciate you yeah. being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jack. 